Hello, everyone, and welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Justin Scase, Senior Editor of the EHS Daily Advisor, and we hope that all of our listeners are staying safe and healthy during the COVID-19 pandemic. I continue to come to you from my home office for our latest episode, and I'm excited to introduce today's guest, who leads EHS efforts at one of the largest organizations in the world. Joining us today on the podcast is Cheryl Corrigan. Cheryl is Director of Environmental Health and Safety for Coke Industries, Incorporated, providing oversight of Coke companies' compliance with regulations and internal policy, and tracking and ensuring follow-up on emerging issues. Before joining Coke, Cheryl was Commissioner of the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency, advising the governor and helping set the strategic direction for the state on environmental matters. She has also worked for 3M in a number of positions, focusing on EHS operational excellence. Based in Wichita, Kansas, Coke Industries owns a diverse group of companies involved in refining chemicals and biofuels, forest and consumer products, fertilizers, polymers and fibers, process and pollution control systems, electronics, software and data analytics, minerals, glass, automotive components, ranching, commodity trading, and investments. With a presence in more than 70 countries, Coke companies employ 130,000 people worldwide. About 65,000 of these are in the U.S. Since 2009, Coke companies have earned more than 1,300 awards for safety, environmental excellence, community stewardship, innovation, and customer service. So Cheryl, thank you very much for taking the time today to join us on EHS on Tap. Oh, Justin, I'm pleased to be here. Thanks for that great introduction. Oh, you're very welcome. So uh, to start us off, uh, tell us a little bit about your EHS journey. Uh, what first prompted you to pursue a career in the field, and how did this eventually lead you to your uh, current role at Coke Industries? So I grew up in Minnesota, and um, and I like to I like to tout the the state's motto, which is land of 10,000 lakes. There mm -hmm. is a lot of shoreland and a lot of outdoors in Minnesota, as you can imagine. Um, and so I, I grew up, I was a river rat and I knew I wanted to work in some capacity um, outside, enjoying the environment. And um, I always wanted to, to do what I loved and, and love what I do. And so I, I became a geologist. I worked for the state of Minnesota and also a number of other local agencies, environmental agencies, then worked for the private sector after that. Um, and then in the early 2000s, I went back to government and, as you said earlier, um, became commissioner for the Environmental Regulatory Agency in Minnesota. And, and that's really when I met uh, Coke Industries. I actually met with a number of the Coke leaders and I was struck um, by their humility and their focus on learning and improving from the highest level of the organization. So I had the pleasure of, of meeting the, the leaders for the Flint Hills Resources subsidiary, which is the transportation fuels company and a couple of other companies while I was commissioner and um, partnered with them in a number of uh, different projects that benefited the community and they were just terrific. And so that, that was my introduction to Coke Industries. That's great. So, um, Obviously, Coke Industries is an enormous 
organization. Uh, so what are some of the top environment health and safety challenges that uh, you face at the company? And how do you go about meeting these challenges? So in your introduction, you talked about how broad the scope of Coke Industries is. So we mm-hmm. we operate in a number of different sectors. Um, and and um, from a people perspective, we also have you know well over 100,000 people. So so my biggest challenge uh, as the as the leader of the organization is making sure that we're always connected to the vision, um, hmm. really making sure that everybody from you know our frontline operators all the way up through our executive suite is focused on on what the role of business is. And you know from our perspective, and I think from the perspective of of everybody in industry, the role of business in society is really to help people improve their lives. Mm-hmm. And, and we do that by providing the, the products and the services that folks value more highly than the alternatives that are on the market. So, so that's the Coke vision. And we try to do that. We, we strive from an EHS perspective to do that in a way that uses the fewest possible resources. So, so that's my goal. So connecting to that vision. So how do we get stuff to the people who really need it to help them improve their lives in the, in the least resource intensive way as possible? So that means making sure that we've got the right talent um, at all the levels in the organization, um, that those folks have the right tools so and the right ability to access knowledge and knowledge networks and um, to be able to do their jobs and then to make sure that the folks who are closest to the work that is making those great products and providing those services are are the folks who are actually making decisions right so so they are able to exercise their knowledge and and their abilities in a way that that really helps us reduce the the level of resources that we're using to to make our stuff and then finally to make sure that incentives are aligned all through the the um, manufacturing process and 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 supply chain and so so you can imagine you know with the number of companies and number of employees number of products that um, that that's pretty daunting so I spend a lot of my time, just making sure that there's alignment in all those different areas. And, you know, that sounds that sounds a bit trite, but but really, um, you know, I think my biggest challenge and this is probably true for for a lot of the folks who who will be listening to this podcast is really understanding how to enable the right environment for all those things that I just described to happen and then just get out of the way right? Mm. Let our employees, let the people who really know what they're doing every day, get it done in the best possible way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Now, one of your primary roles uh, at Coke is EHS compliance and ethics. So from your perspective and experience, uh, what's your view on the relationship between EHS and ethics and how are they entwined? So I think it's pretty it's pretty hard to separate them out. Um, I you know when I think about ethics, I really think about uh, principles and and morals, and I think that that's what most people think about as well. So mm-hmm. so so what what principles or what what morals govern my behavior 
um, and, and how I conduct an activity is how I think about ethics. Um, and, and in our company, you know, we already talked about our vision and that's, you know, making stuff that makes people's lives better. We need to do that in a way that is good for both our, both individuals and, and people in our company, as well as society. So kind of that mutual benefit, if you will, that we got to make stuff that overall creates good for folks. Um, and, and to me, that's really at the very fundamental core of what environmental health and safety professionals do every day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's about people, right? From a health and safety standpoint, um, we've got uh, over a thousand uh, EHS professionals working in our facilities every day, interacting with employees that, that need help in navigating work processes and, and, you know, how to put in the right kinds of protections for employees so that they can do their work safely, um, not just one time, but consistently over long periods of time. So really understanding, you know, how to build that, that capability and also those systems um, so that they're there for all and, and so that they benefit. So, so from a health and safety uh, standpoint, I think it's really easy to see that connection to ethics, it's it's about people and keeping people safe, um, mm -hmm. and and also our community safe from a process safety standpoint. On the environmental side, I think it's also uh, it, it it's pretty clear to see that ethical connection, but it's not quite as direct. I think from an employee or a personal standpoint, it's really about making sure that the resources that are available for all of us continue to be sustainable. Um, so, you know, sir, let me unpack that a little bit. So, so from a, a perspective of environmental protection, we want to make sure that as we are manufacturing, um, and in every manufacturing facility, I don't care who you are or where, where you're located, you're going to be using some resources and you're going to be having some sort of emissions. Um, and, and so the, the job that we see from an ethical standpoint and a mutual benefit standpoint is to use as few of those resources as possible and to limit our emissions to the extent that that is possible, practical, and, and good for folks. So, so that environmental piece is more macro than it is individual, but, but nonetheless equally as important. Yes, absolutely. So, um, of course, the current COVID-19 pandemic, this is at the top of mind for EHS managers and professionals worldwide. Uh, could you tell us about how Coke Industries is addressing the crisis and the measures it's taking to protect the health and safety of its employees? Yeah, it sure is at top of mind for everybody. And I know, um, you know, working from home, you're working from home and I'm working from home and we're all learning different ways to, to, to do the things that we need to get done. I want to start by just giving a shout out to everybody who is working in essential businesses. I mean, these are folks who every day are going out and, and helping all of us who, who are working from home get the stuff that we need. So a great example for, for us at Coke Industries is, I think you mentioned that earlier, that we, um, we have a business, a, a fairly large business, our Georgia Pacific 
subsidiary that's engaged in making paper products. Mm. And so, you know, I don't know about you, but in my family, paper products are pretty important. Um, <laughs> and, you know, there's been a lot of discussion, certainly about toilet paper and, you know, the lack thereof earlier um, yep. during, the, during the pandemic. And, um, and, and we've got frontline workers. We've got folks who are getting up every day and going to our manufacturing facilities, recognizing that what we make is essential, and they are they are just kicking it. And um, and I, I just want to make sure that everybody on the podcast recognizes that there are folks who every day are are working really hard so that we can all benefit. So so that's absolutely that's, that's number one. Just recognizing that that um, for the essential businesses that are operating that that there are folks who are really who are really out there um, doing what needs to get done and doing it in a way that that should make us all proud it certainly makes me proud so so kind of keeping along that that line of thinking first and foremost at cope during this whole pandemic and this is true for everybody it's all about our employees right and our mm-hmm. communities we want to make sure that that we're doing what we need to do to keep our employees safe and also um, help their families in the communities that we operate in. And so we've been doing that in a number of different ways. Um, certainly there's philanthropy and you know, we've been working with emergency responders and, and others in communities to make sure that they have um, PPE, which is personal protective equipment. And that's also been in the news. So, so where we can help, we've been doing that. We've been following, as others have, the CDC, um, Center for Disease Control Guidelines around social distancing. And that's, that's true in our manufacturing area. So we've reconfigured our manufacturing um, where that's been possible. We've also staggered shifts and we've re, um, reimagined how work is being done and then, and then implemented different work practices to make sure that our employees are able to to maintain that social distancing that everybody's been talking about. Um, and believe me, and I'm sure that you know the folks who will be listening um, are are recognizing that that's challenging um, for essential businesses, right? It's it's very much a part of the conversation, regardless of what uh, industry sector we're in. But but I I believe, and I have seen um, the the incredible creativity and innovation that our employees and I'm sure other employees across the globe have been have been bringing to the workplace to make sure that that we can continue to do work and do it safely according to the CDC guidelines. So there's the there's the PPE and social distancing, but then also making sure that our facilities, um, wherever we are, whether it's an office facility or whether it's a manufacturing facility um, that we're cleaning and following, um, again, the, the guidelines for, for what good looks like in, in those environments and, and letting our employees know. And then probably the most important is, is just making sure that we're checking in that relationship between uh, supervisors and employees and supervisors really understanding what are the personal challenges with their employees. Um, they might be caregivers, for example, for an elderly relative, or they may have school-aged children who are not currently um, going to school and they might have childcare issues. 
just really recognizing on an individual basis um, how we can help our employees navigate through the personal challenges that they're facing, as well as the the expectations and and um, things that have to get done from a from an, uh, a business standpoint. So, so I think that that's been that's been probably the the most important and most impactful. So just that communication every day. Um, to the folks that work for us about, you know, what's going on with them and what's going on with the business and how can we help? Yeah, definitely. And, and absolutely a big thank you to all of those essential workers and, you know, uh, folks on the front line and in healthcare doing all they can during this crisis. Yeah. You know, something I didn't mention that's, that's also, I think, pretty important that we've been really trying to do more of, and that is learning from our industry partners. Mm. So there are a number of groups that um, that we connect with in the various industries. So, you know, we have our, our transportation fuels business, but we also have a, a fertilizer business and a polymers business and uh, uh, our pulp and paper business, which we talked about. Um, but really connecting with folks across all of those businesses, as well as folks in our supply chain mm-hmm. um, to figure out what are their best practices and, you know, what are they doing? How can we how can we collaborate? How can we coordinate again back to the to the vision around making people people's lives better and using fewest the fewest um, number of resources? How can we continually to get better at this covid um, response because you know we think that that based on what we're hearing from our epidemiological colleagues and and healthcare folks and and other policymakers this is something that's going to be with us for for a while and so we've got to figure it out and and like I said you know learning and benchmarking and then applying those best practices is something that we're really focused on doing more of yeah that's great um so speaking of, you know, uh, matters of innovation, uh, I, I'd like to switch gears a little bit and talk about EHS technology and its effect on everything from analytics to training. So what are some of the technologies that uh, Coke Industries is putting to use in the EHS space? And what are some of the greatest innovations that you've seen recently? Wow. So I could talk about this for <laughs> <laughs> for a long time, I won't. I won't bore you with all of the 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 details. But but like everyone else, you know the 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 word is transformation. Mm. And whether you're talking about industry 4.0 or or transformation from uh, an analytics space, um, EHS is is certainly at at the forefront in many regards. So um, just focusing on kind of the operations arena, because I think that that's probably the most interesting. Um, There's a huge uh, driver towards more automation Mm. and and really using using technology to understand processes um, and control them better than than we can um, or better than we have been able to um, with existing instrumentation. So, so there's a real focus on running our, our equipment with as little intervention as possible. And that's only become um, doable with the advent and the, the explosion really of sensor technology. 
So I'd say the biggest, most exciting change in EHS and in the operations environment is really around sensors mm-hmm. and our ability to use sensors um, to help us detect the tiniest variations in our processes um, so that we can optimize even more than we have been um, in the past. I don't want folks on the on uh, listening to think that you know we haven't had automation and process controls. We certainly have had that. Mm-hmm. But the level to which we can now see using our sensors um, into the process is just unprecedented. and it's and it's opened up an enormous opportunity for for improvement. So one thing I'd like to highlight is, um, is a project that we've been doing at Coke um, with some partners. So um, our Molex company, which is our electronics company, and our transportation fuels company, Flint Hills Resources, has partnered with EPA to develop sensors and sensing networks uh, to be implemented at our manufacturing facilities, in particular petrochemical facilities, to detect emissions, that is leaks, very, very, very small leaks um, that occur in piping and and pump fittings and and so forth um, at very low levels. Uh, And and this technology, it sounds kind of like, oh yeah, great, okay, leaks. But um, but from an environmental standpoint, back to the ethics and, and you know the question that we talked about before, from an environmental standpoint, leaks are now or fugitive emissions are now one of the the biggest drivers for environmental emissions. Mm. Um, so so it's a, it's a big chunk of what gets into the atmosphere, and that's only because industry has been super super uh, successful at controlling stack emissions and, and other things over the last several decades. So now the biggest chunk of, of opportunity is around these tiny little leaks. And so we've developed a sensing network that, as I said, can detect these leaks um, much better than the technology that we had prior. Um, what's really interesting about this is we developed this technology and working with the EPA relative to um, environmental protection and environmental improvement but we're also seeing now a real benefit from a process um, perspective because the sensing networks also then are able to alert folks in our operations when uh, a chemical or some compound has been released and it, it can help them understand from a process and from an equipment standpoint what might be going right or wrong in their process. So from a process safety and a process control standpoint, the whole notion of looking at leaks as an indicator is is pretty valuable. And it was something that we hadn't really thought about when we developed the technology for for the environmental aspects of it. So so that's just one example, but but really the the the, the most exciting stuff that's going on, I think, is around these sensing networks and using sensors versus the, um, the typical technologies that we've had in place prior. Yeah, very, very interesting. Um, now, one, one thing to note is, you know, many of our listeners, they work at small to mid-sized organizations that probably have more limited resources than uh, Coke Industries. So what advice do you have for them on implementing 
EHS initiatives or technology? Anything that they should particularly prioritize? That's a great question. So, so you know, I, I um, just like we talked about earlier, I try to get out of people's way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's my biggest, my biggest challenge, and and I think my biggest value at Coke, and and so kind of keeping along those lines, I don't think I I can tell folks uh, what to prioritize, but but I can tell folks or or you know kind of share how I think about things as I am prioritizing. So the first thing mm-hmm. that I think about number one is what are our business goals? You know what are we working on? What what's really important to our customers and our stakeholders and constituents. So, so number one, what are the business goals? Number two, what is the capability of my team? Mm. What is the capability that I have today? Um, do I have capability that's going to help um, continue uh, in a in a in a meaningful and constructive way our business goals, or do I need to add capability? Um, if I need to add capability, what is that? Um, so, so capability of my team. And then number three, what's really happening in the world, um, in industry, in my company, in markets that can affect um, where, where we need to go from a business standpoint. So point of view, what, what's happening in the world, basically. So those three things what, do, what are the business goals? What is my capability? And what's my point of view? That, if you, if you look at the intersection of those three things, or at least that's, that's what I do, if I look at the intersection of those three things, generally the priorities start to fall out. Mm. So, so a great example, you know, we were just talking about technology. That's really kind of in that point of view sphere, you know, so what's happening in the world today? Well, sensing networks are happening, sensors are available. And, you know, they have a, a capability that that allows us to change how we actually operate our equipment. So so what does that mean? And so asking myself those kinds of questions and then connecting it to where our business wants to go is is kind of the the, the fundamental way that that I look at prioritization and I think might be helpful for for others. Yeah, absolutely. That's very cool. Um, now, before we sign off, uh you're you're in the top leadership at Coke Industries, and I'd I'd like to get your thoughts on EHS leadership and organizational culture. Um, what do you think about top down versus bottom up leadership, and what are some of the biggest leadership lessons you've learned in your career? So, so this culture culture is is something that uh, in the EHS arena we talk about all the time, mm-hmm. all. And, and I know you're aware of that, Justin. So, so the, the, the question about, you know, top down versus bottom up, I, you know, based on my experience, and I think probably everybody else I've worked with, you got to have both. Mm. Um, You can't, you can't have one, you can't have the other. You've got to have both. And the way that I look at it is that leaders kind of that top down work to enable, um, so, so they help. They help identify um, where we need to build capability, where we need to to maybe buck up our systems or build resilience in our systems. Um, and then, you know, what are the barriers that are keeping us from doing that? 
So, so there, I, I see leaders that top down as folks who are enabling that capability and, and resilience building and asking the right questions, um, you know, providing the, the, the right vision and focus on, you know, what we're really about. And then, you know, the bottom up side is employees looking at our employees as the problem solvers. So, so bottom up is, man, every day, it doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you're at Coke Industries or anywhere else, everyone who is working is coming up in, probably every minute with a way to, to solve a problem that they didn't necessarily think that they were going to have to encounter in that particular day. So we all have this notion that, that work should go a certain way, right? We write our lists or our to-do lists or our goals or our objectives for the day, for the hour, for the week, you know, you name it. But it never quite goes the way that we think. Mm. And so, so we all have to be problem solvers. And, and our employees at Coke and employees wherever you are, are doing that every day, every minute. And they are incredibly good at it. Um, and so, so that bottom up, is allowing our employees to solve problems, giving them the resources through that enablement so that they can solve the problems that they need to solve every day um, to work safely, to work cleanly with as little environmental impact as possible and to make the products and services that we all need. So, So I really view our employees as, man, they're the guys who make it happen, just like we were talking about from the from COVID and the pandemic standpoint, nobody two months ago would have thought we'd be where we are today. And yet we're still able to create the products and make the products and, and move, move things forward because our employees are so great. And our leaders recognize that, you know, our job is to help them with the resources and, you know, ask the right questions, provide the right vision, and then get out of the way. Absolutely. Um, one, one final thing, uh, what would you say are some pitfalls to avoid when you're building a, a world-class EHS culture? Oh boy. You know, um, I, one pitfall I try to avoid, and it's probably something you've heard quite a bit is, is, um, not being connected, um, and not connecting my folks to the vision, which is, you know, are, are we doing things that are making people's lives mm. better? So, so everything has to kind of ladder up to that. And then um, a, a personal pitfall um, that, that, you know, I try to work on every day is um, never underestimating what other people can do with your idea. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, so sometimes it's, you know, especially today as we're trying to really be innovative and and move forward at a at a really rapid rate i think a pitfall that we can all fall into is thinking that our ideas are crazy or they're not good or you know that they're they're not worth it the, the way that innovation happens is you know a whole bunch of people um, coming up with crazy wacky ideas or just thoughts insights um, and they bump into each other and, and ultimately, um, someone, you know, figures out how to bring them together into an experiment. And then that experiment turns into a pilot and that pilot then turns into something that's really great. And so, so I, I think a pitfall for me is recognizing that, that, you know, you've, you've got to 
put forward your ideas and then and then really let other people run with them. So kind of back to that theme of get out of the way um, because there are a lot of folks out there out there who are incredibly brilliant and bright and they're working every day and they have an enormous amount of knowledge. And so, you know, we don't need a smart guy in the room. Um, we need folks um, who can have the tools and the, the ability um, and incentives aligned to follow through on that vision of how do, how do we get better and how do we continually help people make their lives better. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, those are some really great thoughts for our, um, our audience. Uh, thanks again, Cheryl, for joining us today on EHS on Tap, and stay safe out there. You too, Justin. My best to you and your family. All right. Thanks very much. And once again, we hope all of our listeners are staying healthy and safe as well. Continue to keep an eye out for new episodes of EHS on Tap, and keep reading the EHS Daily Advisor to stay on top of your safety and environmental compliance obligations, get the latest in best practices, and keep your finger on the pulse of all things related to the EHS industry. Until next time, this is Justin Scase for EHS on Tap. <music>